Hello, this is Jessica Heron, founder and CEO of the Stella and Dot Family Brands, and this is my brand new podcast, Self Made. I want to kick this off by sharing with you when in my life I discovered and really started to believe in being self made that I was up to me, that my actions, my mindset, my own determination, much more so than odds or obstacles or other people's negative opinions, influenced the outcome of my life. And that there wasn't one path to get to where I wanted to go, that I could always zig and zag and correct course and reach a destination that I would define as successful. I came from an unconventional childhood. I honestly look back at it now and think, oh my gosh, I am so lucky. I am so lucky that I learned early on how to get strong from struggle. I learned so much tenacity at such a young age that it set me up for success later on. So I'll I'll fill you in on a high level. I was uh, raised by mostly by a single dad who's amazing. I love my dad. He's incredible. And by a mom in my early childhood who suffers from a lot of mental illness. As an adult, I can look back and see with empathy that she suffers from a lot of mental illness and her particular assortment of, of illnesses make her very cruel to the people that she is close to, like her family. But at the time, as a kid, you know, I didn't really know that and I couldn't really process it that way. So all I knew was that my mom left and it was a dramatic series of like coming and going and up and down and back and forth. And when she was there, there was a lot of sex, drugs, rock and roll, and she was really cruel and that she didn't like me very much and she didn't like other people very much. And I really didn't know how to sort out uh, what was true or not true. And largely, I was home to fend for myself because my dad was working and then my mom either lived there or didn't live there. And in that experience, I was someone who had to learn that what people were saying about me that was negative may or may not be true, that I could actually learn to look inward for some self-love and some self-acceptance and self-worth. And that too, I was pretty darn capable. Like from the fourth grade on, I think I did my own laundry. I made my own meals. I got myself to school. My siblings and I joke, I have an older brother and an older sister. And we joke, we were kind of free range kids, like free range chicken. We were just free to move about. And it is literally the opposite of what we talk about today, where kids are, there's helicopter parenting or snowplow parenting where a parent tries to solve every problem. Like that was the opposite. I was left to solve my own issues. Now my dad loved me. He provided food and shelter, but I went and took myself to school and, and and really guided my own course there. So by the time I got to high school and it really started to matter, right? Because you go through elementary school and I'm in high school. My siblings are now off living their own lives. And so it's just me and my dad at home. And there's still all kinds of drama going on when I'm about 15 with my mom. And and I was pretty angry. I was pissed. My reaction to that situation was like, I am disgruntled youth. I am an angry teen. I'm going to go out and party. I'm going to skate through school because I went to this very big public school in LA. There was over 2000 people in three classes and over half the student body spoke English as a second language. So honestly, you could kind of cruise and not do much and still pass. So I had, you know, mediocre grades, but somehow I got placed into a AP English class. And it was fifth period, right after lunch, by the way, we often went off campus for lunch. And so I'd get back, you know, sit down right as the bell rang. And one day, and I will never forget, 
there was a teacher for that class, Miss Carol Irwin, and she cared more than most. And she said to me, as I sat down at the bell, she said, you're almost late. And I'm thinking, I'm so clever. Well, then congratulations, because almost late means on time. Okay, she did not think my smart ass comments were funny. She, instead of laughing, she said, that's it, you're out of here. And she kicked me out of class. And she called me up, and while she was like writing up a pass to send me down to the principal, I was just sort of looking at her in disbelief, like, dude, that's harsh. Like, I know that I was sassy and I apologize. And I know I've been late before and I'm generally unprepared, but are you really kicking me out? Why are you kicking me out? And she just looked at me and this was a moment that just pierced through me into my soul and is an indelible ink in my mind. And she looked at me with this really sad expression and she said, because of you, I have never in all my years of teaching seen such a waste. And she just turned away and I walked out of that class and the whole way down to the principal's office, I just thought to myself, man, that was the biggest compliment slash insult kick in the ass I've ever gotten. And what if she's right? What if my role in this isn't to be a victim of my mother's mistakes, isn't to be uh, at the mercy of my family's lack of resources, isn't to feel sorry for myself because I no one's shepherding my path along this journey. Maybe I had more to bring and it was up to me to just change my attitude and behavior every day to do better for myself. So I started thinking about it and I was at that point, I kept going through school and that just planted a seed. I I didn't change my behavior right away, but I started to realize that if I was going to do something more, it was going to be up to me. And that more wasn't going to look like going straight off to a great school. One, I had lackluster grades. I wasn't getting into anywhere phenomenal. And two, we couldn't afford it at the moment. So I didn't want to put that you know, undue pressure on my dad. I'm sure he would have found a way to make it work. And I was working. And yes, there's financial aid. But my dad is not someone who has this pedigree school or bust attitude. He is very practical. Right? So he was like, you're going to live at home. You're going to go to community college. You're going to work. You're going to save money. And that's great. Why not? Uh, so that's what I did. And I just remember feeling like as I thought about my friends going off to school and being jealous, because of course, you know, as any 17 year old, I wanted to go off and have fun and experience college. But I was remember going, feeling sad, like I was a failure and a bit embarrassed and going to this party one night at my, my friend's house and just having this aha moment where I knew I had to really change my mindset and look differently at the path of my life. They had a cut out paper pig hanging over their kitchen table. And on it was scrawled in pencil, a Lewis Carroll quote that said, the time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of shoes and ships and sealing wax, of cabbages and kinks, and why the sea is boiling hot, and whether pigs have wings. Now, I know that's a lot of poetic gibberish, but in that moment, it felt magical. It felt like it was really speaking to me. And it was nonsense, but the part I just thought to myself is like, I'm kind of a pig right now, but maybe this pig can grow wings. Maybe I can find more self-worth and more self-discipline and choose my own path. And that I had to think that I'm not gonna follow the path of my friends, But what if my own path, starting with community college, might be the best thing that ever happened to me? What if I stopped worrying 
about failing other people's opinion and start wondering more about what I was capable of and what I was going to do about it. Right. I had this victim mentality that ruled my high school years. You know, I took the PSAT just one day at school. It's the prep test for the SAT. And honestly, before I sat down to fill in the grid with the bub- you know, the bubbles with pencil, I didn't even know what the SAT was. Okay. So there's no, my parent was not like snow plowing my way into a good college. Other kids like had tutors and knew what it was. And I was kind of, you know, annoyed by parents for that or, or thought that I was disadvantaged because of that. But the reality is like, I could go a different path. I could turn it around and I decided to do that. So I knew it was going to be easy because I was going to work my way through school, but I was going to crack down and just try to figure out what I was made of. And I was just done. I was done being a victim to my circumstances and seeing my future as a product of my past. I just desperately needed to believe that I could create my future. So I did. I enrolled in community college. And by the way, I did not wait. Okay. This was the time. This is so important to turn your energy and your ahas into action because it is the doing that is the difference, not the thinking. So when I had that little inkling of hope and belief, I enrolled to summer school. Like, trust me, I had been taking plenty of time off. I just went and did a full course load and took 20 hours a week and started waiting tables. And I, I, I rollerbladed back and forth to school. I know that was ridiculous, but I didn't have the money. So I just did it. I just handled it. Like whatever there was an issue, I just didn't overthink it. I just found a way to make it happen. And I went to this school and actually it was pretty surprising because what I found at community college was my love of learning and some pretty awesome professors. I will tell you, do not feel sorry for people who are going to community college because they can access a phenomenal group of peers and professors. It is not filled with slackers. Okay. Maybe half the population is slackers. That is actually true because a lot of people start the course and then just kind of drop out and it becomes less crowded after the first few sessions. But there's a lot of people there that just can't afford to go to a regular school, but they're really smart. And in fact, in Glendale, California at that time, there was a lot of immigrants, a lot of people who actually had degrees in other countries that were getting re-credentialed in the United States. So literally, you guys, I was taking biology with doctors. I was taking calculus with engineers. Okay. So this class was tough and I was doing this, you know, on top of working and all that. So I was really knew that I needed to put in all my time, all my focus, and I had to get extra. I went to the free tutoring center every single day, every single day I went. And I remember my tutor there loved her. She was so good. It was free. I went and sat at her table and I'd be like, hey, it's me again, your very best customer. You know, help me with this problem. And I did my problem sets there and I just did it so that I could get an A. I knew that if I wanted to transfer somewhere, I had to really, really perform. Uh, I I discovered, so going through class, I, I discovered that I had just total passion for economics. I fell in love with the subject. I went in about 18 months of school, I'd gone from like tardy class stitching loser to eager beaver straight A student who you know did the extra credit, highlighted my entire book, and I was ready to transfer and start thinking about where I'm going to go to college. And I based it off of, all right, where are great economics professors? And then I remember reading a book by Milton Friedman, Free to Choose, and I learned that he was at Stanford. So I said, awesome, I am going to the best undergraduate econ program in the country, I'm going to apply to Stanford. So I knew what my goal was. 
And all I had to do in my mind was go down to the guidance counselor's office and get a, you know, start finding out about the application process and scholarships and loans. And I was just going to make it happen. And I thought, well, I am so qualified. I mean, look at my grades. I'm ready to go. And I made an appointment. And when I went in and I laid out my master plan to the counselor, she just looked at me and started to laugh in my face. She was like, whoa, why would you apply? Like, that's not reasonable. You're not going to get in. I'm like, no, no, no. I I have straight A's. Like, I'm I'm great. I'm going to get in. She goes, no, no, no. Do you know how many 4.0 students don't get in? You don't have a chance. They just don't, they don't have that kind of transfer program. Like no one from Glendale College would get into Stanford. And she just kept laughing. And she literally said, people like you don't go to schools like that. And I, in that moment, I just got fierce and furious. And I looked at her and, you know, said something roughly like, listen, lady, you know, people like me aren't going to go if people like you keep telling them not to apply. You know, if you have to stay for the students here, like perhaps you should seek employment elsewhere. And I remember literally getting in her face and being like, I don't want my tax dollars, you know, paying for you if you're not interested in doing your job, which is comical because I was a waitress and I think I probably paid three cents in tax and clearly was not responsible for her government salary. But I was just so mad. And I think that unleashed my ability to be self-made. It un- I was fed up. I was tired of people telling me that I wasn't enough. I was tired of the circumstances not being on my side. I had worked hard. I had deserved it. And I did not care that if I was the dark horse or the long shot, but any objective measure, so what? I would rather be the person that tried and failed and maybe I'm the first. Why not believe that? And versus just not thinking I could be the exception right? The odds and obstacles are not more important than your potential and your possibility. So I learned that valuable lesson right there in life that I'm going to be my own greatest source of belief and strength. And if I am faced with a naysayer, if I am faced with people who doubt me and think I'm an optimistic fool, that's okay. I would rather doubt the people that doubt me than doubt myself. And so I applied and Did I get lucky? Yes, I did. In that same year, uh, Stanford appointed a new dean of admissions. And for the very first time, he decided to tap into a underlooked area of potential in the country. And they let in 119 people into the sophomore and junior class as transfer students. And 23 of them were from community colleges for the first time ever. So was I lucky? Yes. But did I create my own luck by believing I could be self-made, by working hard, by showing up extra? Yes, I did. And I think that when you open up yourself to the universe, the universe opens up to you. So I graduated from Stanford. And by the way, I will tell you at another time how hard it was just to do that work, but also to believe in myself while I was there. I mean, I had total imposter syndrome. Like, I'm not as good as these other students. I'm not going to do as well. People are going to know. I like, it was a mistake. I snuck in the back door. You know, I had self-doubt coexisting with my academic success the entire time. And those things always coexist, really, for most people. Uh, But when I graduated, I had a ton of debt, by the way, because I did get scholarships and loans, but a lot of loans. And when I graduated, I bought the announcement cards that I could not afford. They were like 200 bucks, but I splurged because I wanted to write a thank you note to Miss Carol Irwin. 
And on the back, I just simply wrote, thank you. I didn't waste it. She had really, really given me that kick in the ass, like, baby, show me what you're made of. I know it's there and you can be strong. And honestly, I could have sent that card to that troll of a guidance counselor (laughs) that said, you know, I told you so. And uh, that would have been tempting, but it's really, I forgot her name. She's not worth space in my brain. I don't give time to naysayers and people that don't believe in me. It's far more productive and satisfying to be grateful and prove right the people that do believe in you rather than prove wrong the people that don't. And why is that? Because you don't let them take time in your life. They're always going to be there. Naysayer is always going to crop up, but you just forget their name as quickly as possible and you move on. And honestly, I believe that I would have been successful regardless of whether or not my lucky stars aligned and I actually got into that school. Because what I learned isn't that you can get lucky if you try hard. It's that there isn't one path. But if you learn to embrace your path as the best opportunity, as a total gift, if you learn to work hard because of your doing, if you learn to say, hey, I may not be as good at that as other people, but I'm going to make up for it with effort and it's within my control and I am not the victim. I am the driver of my own life experience. You will find another path, right? If a window closes, a door opens, if some, if the path zigs, you zig with it or you zag, but you find a way. If you find an alternative route and if you believe there's only one way to get to where you want to go, you'll never arrive. But if you believe that you are in charge of you, you can be self-made. Thanks for listening to Self-Made. Next, I want to hear from you. Send an email to askjessicapodcast at stella.com and tell me your story of becoming self-made. Let me know what topics you want me to cover and any specific questions I can answer. If you like this podcast and if you're curious that you know someone who might benefit from it, then I would be so grateful if you would share it. Share it with your friends and use the hashtag self-made when you do. And if you dig it, give it a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you so much. And until then, my friend, remember you are self-made.